bless our hearts this morning we have come to learn we have come to grow we have come to encounter your grace and we ask that our eyes be opened in the name of Jesus for the Bible declares that they go from strength to strength as many as appear before the Lord in Zion so we pray that your word will come and prevail over our lives hallelujah thine the glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thine the glory revive us hallelujah thine the glory hallelujah amen hallelujah thine the Revive us. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Let this be true in our lives even this morning. And we vow that forever Jesus will be glorified. Amen and amen. God bless you. Please be seated. Yesterday the Lord began to deal with us along the lines of the theme giving us understanding and perspective as to the content and that which we should experience in our faith adventure. And we discussed yesterday how that it is possible that in the life of a believer, there can be seasons and there can be moments where your faith and even your conviction be challenged. The Bible calls it the day of adversity. That there is such a moment in the life of a believer we did establish again that not everything negative in the life of the believer is a product of sin. He said, who sinned that this man was born blind? His father or him? He said, neither. But that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Are we together? And we discussed the fact that the Bible gives us a very clear picture as to the fact that weariness and spiritual fatigue is something that is common to men. He says, Has thou not known, has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, that he does not faint and he is not weary, that there is no searching of his understanding? Then the Bible says, He gives power to the faint and to them who have no strength, he increases might. And then he says, Even the young men will fall and that the youth will faint and the young men shall utterly fall but then he says they that wait upon the lord they will renew their strength they will mount up with wings as the eagles they will run and not be weary they will walk and not faint we examined a few keys that will help us to survive these seasons of adversity 
we spoke about the revelation of the love of God, that the awareness of the love of God can strengthen a man at moments and times when you do not understand what is happening around your life. The love of God is ever consistent. I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you with my loving kindness. I'm just doing a quick recap. Number two, we said that we draw strength from the comfort of scripture. He says, and that from a child. The things that are written aforetime, they are for our learning so that we through patience and comfort of scripture might find hope. Are we together? Number three, we looked at the power of strategic prayers. That when we pray, it can grant us strength to survive the days of adversity. And then we looked at the power of joy. That joy is a mystery in the realm of the spirit that can provide strength for the believer. Then we also looked at the impartation of strength. Ezekiel chapter 2 from verse 1 and 2. And the spirit entered into me when he spake unto me and set me upon my feet. And we took time to just thank God for those who are coming to the end of these seasons of their lives and then to build stamina for those who are beginning these seasons. I told you that there is a dimension of pain that is a gift. That it is an anchor. It, it, it garnishes your honor. I told you that when you go to heaven today, one of the ways you will know Jesus is not by the crown on his head, but the scar on his hand. He's not the only one who has a crown on his head. Elders have crowns. But there is only one who has a scar. That what for you today may be a symbol of shame. Tomorrow may be your trophy. That would be what would legitimize you into realms of power and grace and influence. This morning, I want to teach very briefly and then we'll pray on experiencing personal revival. Experiencing personal revival. I just want to draw two keys by the privilege of God's grace, I'm a student of revival. I have studied the moves of God across continents, across nations. I've had the honor and the privilege of meeting a few people who have been mightily and marvelously used by God to pioneer awakenings across territories. And I thank God for the bit that he's done in and through our lives within the capacity that we have served the body and I can tell you I understand a bit about the subject of revival. I'll go straight to the point. Many people desire to see territories changed. Many people desire to see awakenings. And this, I believe, is the burden that is in the heart of the man of God to see such an awakening, the move of the spirit across territories where people come into a heightened consciousness of the things of God where there is territorial allowance for the activity of the Holy Spirit to find expression in the lives of people, in families. And the Bible lets us know that this is a possibility. Once and again, we see through scripture that there were moments 
in modern history and moments even in church history where there were marvelous moves of God that God came to breathe upon a people to breathe upon individuals but the character of true revival is that it always starts as a personal revival before it becomes territorial no revival starts as a territorial revival it will always start as a personal revival when you read the book of judges and you follow closely the story of this young man called gideon god desired to step in and bring an awakening over the people and to grant them the strength and the grace to defeat the midianites but he started the structure of that move was that he found a young man called gideon and gideon was hiding and when he appeared to him, he said, O thou mighty man of valor. He called him by his prophetic destiny. And Gideon said, No, don't flatter me. I am the least in my father's house and even the least among my people. And now he began to give him certain requirements that we'll look at. And at the end of it, it was the man who was already revived that blew the shofar and 30,000 people came in response to the shofar that was blown by one who had been revived. And when 30,000 people came, he said, no, this is too much. And there's no time. That's not the subject I'm dealing with here. But when you study that scripture, you will see that there were three principal tests that were given to prune the people to 300. Test number one, whoever is not sure of what he's doing, if you are so conscious of home and your family, here is your chance. Go back. And half of the people went back immediately. That is a very powerful revelation that in the midst of a crowd, not everybody is that determined to know God and to get to the place of destiny. And God said the people are still too many. Let another test come. And the last and the final test was when they got to the river. That would be a discussion for another day. There was a posture that a few people took that disqualified them. And there was a posture others took, 300 of them. And he said, these are the men that have qualified. Now we can proceed. So I'm just trying to say that territorial revivals are products of personal revival. And I'm going to look at two keys very quickly this morning, hoping we'll have a chance to pray. Number one, the first key that controls the experience of a personal revival is the power of brokenness. The power of brokenness. Two scriptures. Second Chronicles chapter 7. We'll read verse 13 and 14. Very popular scripture across the body of Christ. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, verse 14, if my people. So this is an affair that has to do with God's people. He's not talking about the heathen. If my people. Understand the context now. There are times he talks to people who are outside of the fold, but this discussion 
has to do with his people. And in case you are not sure, I'm aware that they are called by my name. It says, but if they shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it says, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Notice it never said, I will forgive their sins. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. The next scripture I'm about to give you, I pray that you archive it among your most treasured scriptures if you truly desire to experience God. Never forget this scripture for the rest of your life. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. Isaiah 57. Hmm. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabited eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. That is my first location. But my second location is that I also dwell with him that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. Why? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Look at this scripture. I am high and lofty. I dwell in my holy place. But in case you cannot find me there, there is a location that is within your reach. Find a person who is humble and I am there. He tells you two locations where you can find him. One, the high and the holy place. He said, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? And he says here that you will also find me with him who is of a contrite and a humble spirit. And I am there for the singular purpose of reviving the spirit of that humble man and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Brokenness attempts to describe a state of realization. A state of acknowledgement of our limitations and inadequacies outside of the help of God. Brokenness is, is an attempt to come to a state of realization, a consciousness, and also a state of acknowledgement of our limitations and our inadequacies outside of the help of God. That means when an individual comes to a point in your life where you are aware and you are conscious of the fact that unassisted by the grace and the mercy and the help of God, there are heights you cannot attain to, there are levels of expectations from God that you cannot meet. Is called brokenness. And the Bible lets us know in Psalm 51 and verse 17, 
Psalm 51 and verse 17, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. There is a kind of man that God cannot avoid. Are we together? That when God finds a man who is broken and contrite in heart and spirit, he does not have the ability to ignore such a one. This is a very powerful revelation. Because several people will tell you they are trying to find God. Several people will give you an impression as though God is far and he seems to hide his presence. It's like he enjoys the distance. And here the Bible is saying, that God has such, if I would use for want of word, an addiction. That there is a kind of man that if God sees, he cannot ignore. One who is broken, one who is contrite. More than one who is prayerful. We're coming there. More than one who fasts. More than one who is a churchgoer. More than one who studies the Bible. There is an ingredient God seeks for in man. And believe me, no matter what other spiritual activity you are involved with and involved in. If brokenness is absence, forget about intimacy with God. It is the reason why you will find out very strangely that in the dealings of God with men, he would pick the most unlikely because by every standard they may not seem to qualify or to match up, but the moment he finds brokenness, it is something I learned about God very early. That God cannot resist a broken and a contrite heart. Kneeling down does not mean you are broken. Crying does not mean you are broken. Brokenness is a consciousness. It's an awareness that translates into an acknowledgement. Brokenness starts with revelation. An awareness. Then it translates into and acknowledgement. This is the reason why I love the psalmist so much. We began our discourse yesterday with the psalm of David. The psalmist was one person who mastered the presence of God because he was indeed a man who was broken and contrite. When you read the entire Psalm 51, Psalm 51 is a psalm of mercy. It is, it is a capture of a man pouring his heart and his soul before his maker. You take the time to read the entire text of Psalm 51. And I tell you, if you are not broken at the end of it, you are not a Christian. Hallelujah. Psalm 51. Profound, unashamed declaration of a man's helplessness and his inadequacy in the face of God's power, holiness, grace, and beauty. No wonder God called him. God never called Abraham a man after his heart. Never called Moses who saw him face to face a man after his heart. This was a title that God carved and gave the psalmist as a gift for the depth and the extent of his brokenness. He called him a man after his heart. Are we learning this morning? A state of realization that translates into an acknowledgement of our limitations 
and inadequacies. Now, we live in a world where um, our confidence is largely hinged on our various levels and degrees of competencies. It is usually an embarrassing thing to discover that you are incapable in any area. It's not something the human would receive normally. Are we together now? Chances are excellent that if I cannot put on this mic, it would take me a lot of struggle to ask someone to assist me because the awareness of being inadequate is something that men do not easily want to admit. It takes a long journey with God to come to a point where we realize that, look, there's no point wasting time. I do not know my way around this. That in, in God's dealing with men, he's aware of that tendency that men can rigmarole and gallivant around seasons of failure and would never come to a point where they simply acknowledge that, God, I am tired of this 40 years journey. Open my eyes and show me the way. And God is loving, but he's also disciplined enough to allow you until your brokenness calls him. You would think that just because you are suffering, God is touched with the feelings of your infirmity, but he's bound himself with rules of engagement. He does not just engage erratically and emotionally. If your brokenness and your hunger and your desperation do not call on him, you will be shocked that you are in a season of obvious failure and yet you will never get the attention of God. This is something about God that many believers do not understand. So they get angry and say, God, you mean you are watching me like this? This is what happened to Cain in the Bible. Cain would have simply asked, what did Abel do? That I am not getting. Because it, it was clear that it was not com a communication gap. God was hearing him. God spoke to him and he was not even repentant. He said, am I my brother's keeper? Are you not God? Use your all-seeing eye to find where my brother went to. God. If you heard the voice of God, would you answer that way? You'll be on your knees saying, thank you Lord for speaking with me. But here is a stubborn man. To the point that God cursed him and he said, hold on, I know I'm cursed, but you be careful with what you are saying. If you curse me this way, everyone who sees me will now kill me. What does it profit you? And God said, you know what, okay, what, what sort of a man is this? Another person who showed us the, the danger of pride was the woman called Vashti. There is no record of Vashti apologizing. There is no record of Vashti coming before King Ahasuerus to say, I realize my wrong. There was no brokenness. Are we blessed? A state of realization that translates into acknowledgement. You see, let me tell you this. If we really want to experience the more of God, we must learn early how to tremble before him, to come before him in total openness and to not allow ourselves to suffer too long before we admit that we need his help. Are we together? Believers would stretch their wisdom 
Believers will stretch their connections. Believers will stretch their skill. They will give all kinds of excuses and continue to go around several circles. And you see, the thing about God is he will step out and he will patiently wait where you kept him. While hoping that you will realize that he means more to you than what you have thought him to be and where you have kept him. Finally, after many years or many seasons of trying and stretching ourselves, we finally come to a point where we are forced to give up. And now we say, Lord, I think I need you. And he says, you think you are not yet there. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Here's the part I love. Hold on. Every hour I need thee. That's the part of the song that most blesses me. It's not that you need him. How long and how frequent. I can need you and then dump you and hope that when I have any problem, I will call you back. But the writer was intelligent enough to admit his frequency. Every I need thee, come bless me now, my Savior. The power of brokenness. You cannot imagine how easy your Christian experience would be when you remain a broken vessel before God, malleable and ever open, that perpetually your life spells inadequacy outside of the mercy and the help of God. This is not self-condemnation. This is not looking down on yourself. Are we together? Look what happened to the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died, the Bible says, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord. And he saw him high and lifted the train of his robe, filled the temple. Isaiah said, woe is me for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell amidst the people of unclean lips. You would think God would say, ah, that's too much humility. Why do you have to stretch that far? The Bible says a life call, a seraph came with a life call and touched his lips and said, your iniquity is taken away from you. And now he said, who shall we send and who shall go for us? And he says, send me. I told you territorial revival is always a product. It is the one who is truly revived that can bring revival to a territory. The power of brokenness. My first charge to us, therefore, this morning is that there is no shame in realizing and acknowledging that you are incomplete outside of the assistance of God. You were designed that way. The intelligence of God was involved in the design of man. And he made sure there was a gap he left in man that only his size can fill. So no matter what you use to fill that void, eventually you will find out that anything that is not the size of God will not fit that space. The Bible says he has put eternity in the heart of man. 
So we try to cover the space of God with achievements. We try to cover the space of God with all kinds of things. And eventually you will find out that no matter what you try to use to replace him in your life, you will end up with the same conclusion that you need him more than you ever realized. Are we together? Now he does not become for you... Um, a God that just comes into your life because you want to prosper, because you want a job. Now, that, that, when, when it has to do with the business of brokenness, you are not looking for things. You are looking for him. He has become your life. You're not just trying to say, oh, I've discovered that my, my, your presence in my life gives me a job, gives me children. Thank God for those things and you are right. But more than that, you're my treasure. My priority, who can compare to you? For great is the measure of your royalty. Oh, morning star, you truly are everything. There are many preachers who it would take them many years to realize that no matter how competent you are, you were designed to be inadequate outside of him. There are many businessmen it would take them. You see, let me tell you, there are certain languages when you hear, they are revealers that there is no brokenness in that vessel. My thing. My business. The moment we begin to credit achievements to ourselves immediately, it reveals that there is something about brokenness that has not been administered in us. When you truly become broken, you get to a realm called Galatians 2.20 that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And that the life that I live in the flesh, I live only by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You no longer become ashamed to let the nations know that behind everything that you see that looks glorious, you see, and you will sing his praises with unashamedness. When people try to shut you down and say you are falling your hand, you tell them you, you don't know where I'm coming from. Ah, And I will not be silent I will always as long as I am breathing I will This must be more than a special number in your life. The desire to see men that through your life, I, I would always say it this way, the more men look at you, if you are truly broken, they should not see you. Because when you look at a mirror, you don't see the mirror. Strangely, the more you look at the mirror, you see the object that the mirror is reflecting. So through your results and through everything that people see, 
they come to one conclusion. You are a testament of what God can do in and through a man. Galatians 1, 24. And they glorified God in me. And they glorified God in me. And they glorified God in me. You can glorify God, but your life can become a mirror that people sit and watch it like a movie and at the end of it, they say, God, we give you glory. This has to be you. Are we together? Let me tell you sincerely, it's not because believers do not pray. I'm not sure, I may be wrong, but I'm not sure there is a generation that prays like our time in the body of Christ. There are people who have fasted for years. The longest I've seen and witnessed in my life is 400 days. Non-stop, six to six. I wrapped up the last day with the person. This happened many years ago. And yet at the end of that fast, you would think that person, you should touch his hand and your hand should come out through his skin because of the level of spiritual emphasis. Because you see, these activities in themselves do not carry intrinsic power. Their power is derived from the sincerity of the state of your heart. This is what people do not understand about spiritual activities. That spiritual activities in themselves do not administer any power. Their power is derived from the state of the practitioner of those activities. That means you can engage in a correct activity and yet because of the corruption of the state of your heart, it does not give life to that activity. Are we together? Yes. What gives credence to the things that we do spiritually is the state of our heart. And in this respect, brokenness. Whilst you are seated, in one minute I'd like you to pray and just pour your heart before the God of heaven and tell him, Lord, I am tired of living my life as though you are not the authority over me. The unashamedness to admit that I need help. The unashamedness to admit that my business needs help. The unashamedness to admit that unassisted I cannot go far. I repent of it. Someone is praying. Lift your voice and pray. Perhaps there are parents struggling with children and rather than going to God who gave the children, we resort to all kinds of things. Woe to them who go down to Egypt for help. And make God a last resort after we've explored every other thing. Someone is praying. Let it be from the depth of your heart. Brokenness. Struggling in your job. And yet you will never talk to God about it. Because you do not believe in his ability to help you. We can go to men, we can resort to systems and structures and formulas, but would never come to the God of the universe, the one who has mastered the art of helping men. There must be that genuine repentance. Lord, I have tried and tried and tried and tried.
I don't want this year to be like last year. Struggling and trying and giving all kinds of flimsy excuses. No matter what it takes, I need you. I don't need your contribution. I need all of you. I'm not asking you to come and contribute into a template that I built for myself. I repent and I bring out a clean slate. Whatever you write on it is what I will read. My heart, my mind, my soul belongs to you. You are praying. It all belongs to you. Belongs to you. Fight that pride once and for all this morning. Don't be ashamed. It belongs to you. The songs we sing, they all belong to you. And even the air I breathe, it all belongs to you, belongs to you. Hey, belongs to you. How in the world do you think you are going to raise 500 million naira in two months? Calculating economically is a waste of time. Don't let your pride kill you. You are already in financial trouble. Come to he who can open a door that no man can shut. I know you are a businessman. I know you have certifications. But except the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord watches over a city. My Bible says the watchmen watch it but in vain. It is vain to wake up early in the morning and to sleep late in the night only to eat the bread of sorrow. But he giveth his beloved sleep amazing how long it takes the human fighting God in pride before we get to a point where we say Lord help me it's as simple as that help me thou son of David he said have mercy on me it's a language that many people have not learned Lord you stay back I think I can manage my family the child is only stubborn. I'm used to it. I, I've been a counselor for 10 years. And God says, I respect you. I gave you a will. Do not wait for situations to damage you and tear you too far before you call on him. The Bible says, the Lord is nigh them. Not them who need him. Them that call upon him. We're getting into the prayer ministry shortly. You will be learning that the highest proof of humility is prayer. Prayer is not just about spirituality. It's the highest demonstration 
of humility that every time you pray you are it is it is the most vocal way of acknowledging your limitation are we learning something this morning brokenness for some of us after this service you need to go back keep all those pieces of papers and all those accolades and say, Lord, help me. Help me. The way these businesses, the way this and that is happening around my life, the way my family is running, I need you. If you, I love Moses. If you do not go with us, Moses said, I'm not going anywhere. I have mastered the pain that comes when you are not there. I'm not going to make that mistake again. If you will not go with us, just be sure that this is where we are camping. And God said, you got it. My presence will go with you. And with that presence, I will give you rest. Are we learning? Can I tell you? Results do not happen to the most competent necessarily. Results do not happen to the most deserving necessarily. There are many people who it is, they, they, have, they know how to step back and just allow the master ride through their destinies. And you will find out that you will see a man with five children all well behaved. Ask the children how the parenting happened. You will see gaps in the principle of parenting. You will know that many things that should make children well behaved, that man did not do it. And yet, the one thing he acknowledged was that I am not the head of this home. I am only the steward of this home. And because of that state of brokenness, God said, okay, if left for your ignorance, you will produce armed robbers. But because you have given me my space in this home, let me take responsibility. Can I tell you this? You allow God to take responsibility and pilot your destiny. And then you sit back and marvel and wonder at the destination he will take you to. Is someone learning this morning? Yes. Let's break that pride. Some of you need to go and lock your place of business and say there, there's, there's not been sales. Um, it's not just the issue of going on Google to say principles of sales. Drop that thing. I'm not, the person talking to you is not stupid. There are times you need to just drop it and say, Lord, you are the king of kings. You are the Lord of Lords. If you do not open a door, that door cannot be opened. And God says, you are speaking my language. Now I'm listening to you. Are we together? Teach everyone around you this principle. Do not allow your pride to stretch you too far before you come to him. Be ever broken before him. To be ever broken means to walk in this consciousness. If it does not help me, I cannot be helped. If it does not lift me, I cannot be lifted. The door that he does not open, I will weary myself in front of it. But if he does open that door, he can open it in a way that no man can shut. Number two, the second principle that can help us experience personal revival is the ministry of prayer. The ministry of prayer. 
Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke 18 and verse 1. There is a relationship between weariness or fainting and prayerlessness. Here's how Jesus put it. He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. So that if you are not praying, you will not be able to do anything about that situation of weariness. To faint there means exhaustion. It means he's saying that it is not unusual for the human to be exhausted. But there is something that prayer can do that can remedy that constraint. Hallelujah. Psalm 65 and verse 2. Very powerful scripture. Psalm 65 and verse 2. O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. Unto thee, the one who can hear prayers, shall all flesh come. What is it about prayer that makes it powerful? Is it the speaking? Is it the timing? I have studied the subject of prayer very thoroughly by the grace of God. I've had the honor of meeting a few people who uh, I would say have, have, have been given that grace for prayer and supplication. And I've engaged with them to find out. I've read books by men and women of prayer like E.M. Bounds, Charles G. Finney. These are people who were purported. The body of Christ received them as gifts, even in the area of prayer. I studied their materials very thoroughly. In an attempt to, what is it about prayer that makes it powerful? Is it the one praying? Is it the one being prayed to? Is it the time spent in prayer? Is it the attitude? Are we together? Is it what is said in the prayer? It was an attempt to piece together the ingredients that really make prayer effectual. Because I learned from scripture that there is a condition in prayer called praying amiss. Now it's a very dangerous thing. Because it is praying, but it is praying amiss. And then Apostle James was teaching us using this template called Elijah that the fervent and effectual prayer of the righteous, is that true? That it availed much. Amplified says it is, it is dynamic in its working, he says. So I wanted to understand the whole subject of prayer because I want to live an efficient Christian life and then I also wanted to know because you see, I found out that there, for a long time there had been an error in the body of Christ, the make-believe that prayer is the one and only key required for the victory of the believer. I hate to be the bearer of bad news but that is not true. There are people who the only emphasis as far as the growth and the development of the believer is concerned is prayer. And I have seen many believers who have prayed 
and I have seen the benefits of prayer in their life, and I've seen them compromise on the other principles, and I've seen the deficiency of those principles in their lives, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, not a key. Are we together? So what is it about prayer? What exactly is prayer? At what point do they say a man is praying? Is it when you are talking or when you are silent? Praise God. Apologies for the sound. At what point would you say that a man is praying? I hope you can still hear me. I'm sure they are working on it, so let me just have your attention. When do you know and when do you say that a man is praying? I think while they are working on it, okay, that's fine. I was going to ask us to pray so that we just allow them to do the work. But when, when do I know if I am talking, if you meet me talking, does that mean I'm praying? Is it when I mention the name Jesus that I am praying? We're not doing an extensive study on the subject of prayer. But you see, the only way you become efficient in prayer is when you are taught. You will never truly be able to pray efficiently until you are taught. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. They were not prayerless people. They were inefficient in their prayers. They noticed that there was a way Jesus prayed. And there were results that came from his prayer life. And that they also prayed, but it looked like their lives did not capture any result. And they said, teach us to pray. But for the purpose of our discussion this morning... We are looking at prayer with respect to experiencing personal revival. So, I have studied that prayer, according to scripture, achieves four main things in the life of the believer. And I just want to bring it to our understanding and then we'll have some time to pray. I believe there may be more, but from my study of scripture... I have found out that the prayer ministry seeks to achieve four principal things in the life of the believer. Are you ready? Number one, the first assignment of prayer in the life of the believer is as a tool for transformation. Transformation. The first, and believe it or not, the highest assignment of prayer in a believer's life is for transformation. Popular scripture, Luke chapter 9, from verse 28 and 29. This is Jesus now. Luke chapter 9, 28 and 29. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. So Jesus went to pray. Read verse 29 with me if you can see it projected. Ready? One to read. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered 
and his raiment was white and glistering. Believe me, prayer is able to help the believer evolve into higher and superior versions of yourself. That the weak you, the small you, the timid you, the flesh-driven you, the carnal you can evolve into a superior version of yourself if you know how to pray. Show me a weak believer, timid. Show me a believer that is bankrupt of light. Your organs of interaction with the realm of the spirit deadened. Subject that person to a constructive, methodical pathway of prayer. And you will, a champion will be waiting for you at the other end. Many believers are weak because they do not pray. They do not pray with the understanding that prayer is meant for transformation. Why would Jesus pray as the word? Transformation. You know why people get saved in church, respectfully speaking? And after many years, you look at them, there's no growth, there's no transformation. Preachers who keep laboring to teach truth and they keep shouting, amen, receive it. And after many years, you sit down with them and speak and you are almost heartbroken as a preacher because it looks like you've been wasting your time. I tell you, for many of them, they've not subjected themselves methodically to the ministry of prayer. Are we together? No discernment, no sensitivity, cannot receive spiritual things. That veil after many years is still there. You subject people through the ministry of prayer and leave them there and watch what happens. You just watch what happens. There is a transition that begins to happen to them. Their language begins to change. Not just the prayer language, but their language, the construct of their understanding begins to change. Their confidence begins to increase. Let me tell you, find someone who is suffering from complex and inferiority. Among the many things you, you bring as a remedy, subject that person to seasons of prayer and watch what happens. Prayer, if and when done properly, is powerful. Are we learning? transformation when we pray we are transformed that light that is locked up within our spirits find expression it is true so if you find out that you've been stagnated at the same level spiritually you look at yourself and there is no growth january comes december comes january comes december comes prophecies come and nothing you don't feel that movement you can give yourself the discipline of prayer for a season. Prayer like eating, prayer like exercise does not happen. You don't see all the results in one day. It, the key is consistency. Consistency. You're not going to live carnally for 30 years and then pray for five minutes and expect it to cover up for all that time. You will need to be consistent. I would always encourage people, it's not a doctrine, but it's a formula I have found in my life. If you want to take your destiny serious, master the art of praying in the night. Believe me when I tell you this. You go and read your Bible and see what prayer in the night happened. At midnight, 
Paul and Silas, you see it. While the day was, before the day would break, Jesus would leave and go to pray. These are mysteries of the spirit. Chances are excellent that it would not be easy for you to pray effectively in the day. Your eyes alone would distract you. Are we together? Your phone is there ringing. Everyone is calling you. Children are disturbing you. You will not pray that way. Your, your entire being must be involved in prayer. If it does not touch you, it will not touch God. Some of us start praying and before you know it, a text comes in and you hold it and you're like, ah, okay, let me just quickly respond. And one hour you are there. Two hours you're there and at the end of it, you, you just remember you were praying, you say in Jesus' name, on your way out. You didn't pray. In all honesty, you didn't pray. You can't get the same results with someone who came and gave his heart and his all in prayer. Please say after me, in the name of Jesus, I obtain grace to pray. Preachers, we must trust God for grace and subject our membership to intense moments and seasons of prayer. Not just prayer and fasting. Prayer that we create a way to supervise their growth. Especially leaders. When leaders in church don't pray, they will give the man of God headache. When leaders don't pray, they will be carnally minded. Simple decisions that should be, it should be unanimous if they were sensitive. Because they are working in the flesh. There will always be carnal and mundane arguments. Don't trust people who don't pray. Don't trust what they tell you. Don't trust what you hear. They are speaking in the flesh. No matter how well-meaning. Before I trust you, let me see your prayer life. Are we learning? Number two. The second assignment of prayer in the life of the believer is as a tool for making requests I wrote here and obtaining promises. There is an allowance in the prayer ministry for us to make requests and to obtain promises. Philippians chapter 4 from verse 6 and 7 addresses the issue of anxiety once and for all. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, be careful. The word there is anxious for nothing. It says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Back to verse 6, please. Let your request be made known. You see, the Bible is saying it here. Don't assume that God knows what you are, what you are going through or what you desire. He says, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says, verse 7, that the God of peace shall, the, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding shall guard your heart and your minds. If we're dealing with the subject of prayer in a standard way, I will teach you something about the relationship between prayer and peace. There, are, there is the tripartite manifestation of the kingdom. Every time you see this tripartite manifestation, the kingdom has come. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The most, the most, um, the most, how do I put it now? The one that is easy to detect of all of them is peace. In fact, it is one of the ways that God speaks. Psalm 85 verse 8 tells you, 
that he speaks peace. You can know that your prayer is answered, not because of the appearance of the result. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people. Someone once asked me and said, Apostle, how long do you pray? I said, that's not a very wise question. It's a sincere question, but it's not a wise one. Never in the Bible is timing of prayer given as the basis for effective prayer. No. No. When Jesus spoke about watching for one hour, it was just a reference. There is never a doctrine. You do not pray based on timing. You pray based on contact and you pray based on result. You pray until peace comes. If it takes 10 hours, stretch that far. Of course, naturally speaking, if you discipline yourself to prayer, you will invest and commit time. But to use an alarm clock and just pray for five hours or two hours or one hour and then stop it, you are being carnal. That's the reason why that prayer does not profit people. In true fellowship, timing is usually not an issue. Imagine that someone comes to you, he's, he's not being official, maybe a husband and a wife, and he's talking and the man is checking his watch and he says, okay, 10 minutes, may God bless you. And she says, so what were we doing? He said, fellowship, that's not fellowship, that's discussion, that's formal, whatever, office duty, that's fine. So we come to God and there are times that God would just want his presence to rest upon you. Do you know, there are times that it would take you more than one hour saying thank you. Just thank you. And there are times that you go to pray where you will shockingly not be able to say anything, yet you are praying. There is a level of stillness that is prayer. God defines the menu for that, 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 that feast. He is the Lord of hosts. You don't just go with your preconceived idea. Point one, Father, thank you. You are the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, the rose of um, Sharon, the lily of the valley. Now that is done. Father, I'm here again. I've told you this thing. I've been in Abuja. This house rent, 600,000, 1 million. What is it that you cannot give me? Is it that? And you are praying. This is you praying now. Hear yourself praying. I've not backslidden. I've been trusting. You don't think I don't have options. It's just because you are God. And oh, no, 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 no. And then we wrap up with thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you because I know you hear me. And heaven is watching. Angels are watching. Demons are also watching in shock. And say, what kind of ignorant people are these? Can I tell you this? If you must pray, your heart must be involved. But let me tell you sincerely. The Bible says that prayer can be used to obtain requests. Let me encourage you. Learn to pray and to take every matter of your life to God in prayer and expect him to respond. Expect him to respond. Expect him to respond. Lord, I thank you. There's this thing happening in my office. I thank you. But you see, in making requests, God does not answer you because you asked him. He answers you because he said he would do it. So if you cannot connect what you want to what God has said, it will not be answered. God only answers prayers because what you want is connected to what he has said he would do. The protocol of God's dealings with men is that he only does what he says. 
if God has not said it, whether to you or that which is written, there is no basis for him doing it. I want to rise. God, I want to rise. Sincere prayer, but that prayer will not be answered. You have to find what he has said about your rising. Lord, I want to rise. And you have said this. You see, God only does what he says. He does not do what you want. He does what you want that is connected to what he has said. Please learn this very simple principle. It's the reason why many believers do not obtain answers to prayers. They ask, but you see they do not ask properly. He's bound to his word. That he honors his word even above his name. So when you approach the parliament of heaven, there must be intelligence to your prayer. Are we together? Yes. Lord, I'm tired of suffering. Move me forward. What is the basis? Why should God commit himself that far? And you find a scripture. It was the Lord that caused Moses and Aaron to advance. And that God is no respecter of persons. You see, you are constructing your request with intelligence. He said to present your cause. He said to bring forth your strong reasons. Number three. The third assignment of prayer in the life of the believer. I wrote down here is for spiritual legislation. You can put in bracket decrease and creation. Amazing. Two scriptures, Numbers 14 and verse 28. Numbers 14 and verse 28. Tell them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. Second scripture, Job 22 and verse 28. Job 22 and verse 28. It says, thou shalt also decree a thing. Listen, there is a dimension of prayer that is not talking to God. It is using his authority to create possibilities. Prayer is not always talking to God. There is a dimension of prayer that is responsible for making decrees over creation and creating possibilities in your life. It is not always about asking God to do things. There are times that in prayer, you use that God-given authority to now begin to create possibilities. And whatsoever Adam called it, that was the name thereof. If you call it a blessed tomorrow, that becomes the name thereof. If you call it favor in spite of the storms, that is the name it will bear. Your days and your moments are waiting for, for you to give them an identity. Waiting for you to give them definition. If you do not give them a name, the devil will give them any name and they will become what they were instructed to become. Are we together? This is very powerful. That you wake up in the morning and you decree, this is the day that the Lord has made. I rejoice and I am glad in it. I prophesy and I declare that Gentiles come to my light. They are kings to the brightness of my rising. And you walk through that day 
as if creation owes you. And you begin to see all kinds of miracles and all kinds of doors open for you. And this brings that, that the joy that comes from knowing that your life is producing and commanding results will bring a consolation to your Christian experience. Listen to me. Do not be silent. Learn to create possibilities. Are we together? Every day is at the mercy of your speaking. Instruct it to become for you what the word of God says should be. The third assignment of prayer. You must learn to legislate. We have, I'm sure in this church, and probably following, we have members of parliament in this nation, House of Assembly, Senate, and did you know all that they do is to use words, develop and enact policies, and these policies directly affect people. Passes through first reading, second reading, and all of that, they adopt it, it becomes law. Speaking. They are paid to speak. They speak from their minds, from their thinkings, from their perspectives. If you keep quiet over your destiny is what you do not want that will happen. I assure you, whether you plant or not, something will always grow in the farm, provided there is rain. And unfortunately, it's what you do not want that will grow. Are we together? Speak over your business. Speak over your ministry. Speak over your family. Your assignment is to keep speaking. In the name of Jesus Christ, I will not give birth for sorrow. In the name of Jesus, my mind is fruitful. The favor of the Lord is upon me. In the name of Jesus, I am escaped from these six things. Even the scourging tongues of men. You are praying and you are making decrees. You forget about what who is thinking or not thinking. Your assignment, your destiny is absolutely dependent on the power of creation. Things only happen to you if you are silent. Negative things I mean. Number four. Are you ready for this? The fourth assignment of prayer is as a tool for warfare and intercession. Warfare and intercession. Apostle, is this necessary? Hmm. Live long. That's my answer. I don't have much to tell you. Please make sure you are alive for long and you will revisit this message again and again and again. John 10.10 10. The thief cometh not. Satan is called the thief. I don't know how many of you want to be friends with thieves. The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is his tripartite character of destruction. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. We're wrapping up now. 1 John 5, 19. Someone's destiny is changing this morning. In the name of Jesus. 1 John 5, 19. And we know that we are of God. It says, please help me read the remaining part. And the whole world. Stop. Does that include the region of your office? Does that include where your church is? Does that include your village? Does that include Nigeria? Does that include the space of the land you just bought? The whole world lieth in 
wickedness. When speaking with my people, I would always make this observation. Nigerians know how to lament emotionally and we say, who did I offend? Very comforting statement, but how erroneous. You do not have to offend anyone. Everyone is born in the middle of an old story that you are forced to be part of. The story of the issue between light and darkness is not something that started with us. Everyone was born in the middle of an old and ancient story. And can I tell you, that story is so constructed that the moment you appear in it, you must act in that scene. Nobody invites you to be part of that movie provided you are born, you pass through the womb of a woman, you must be part of it. Satan knows that everyone born of a woman is a potential tool in the hand of God. Number one, he does not even give you a chance to grow. If he can kill you, he will with joy, I guarantee you. Satan does not have to wait for you to be born again, to be trained and mentored. Uh -uh. In the Bible, children were killed. He killed them without thinking twice. And then, you now come to stand before God's people and surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. I hope you know that when you were giving your life to Christ, it was not the preacher who led you that was seeing you alone. The realm of the spirit, including the demons, principalities. And like I would tell my people, most believers do not understand the power of the life they just received. But Satan and demons understand what you received. They know the potential of this life you have received. And they know that by your declaration you have drawn a line. I think it was on Sunday I was talking to my people and I was helping them to see and appreciate the extent of the rebellion and the stubbornness of Satan. That for millions, millions of years, at least as we know, maybe more. From the time he was casted from heaven, Satan is still fighting God till today. What determination that he will not give up. Satan comes to you and talks to you about God as if he does not, you can imagine, as if he does not factor his defeat in the discussion. Satan never talks to you as if he's defeated. I hope you will laugh. Let me tell you what I'm about to tell you. Someone came and met me. I think I was praying for people after service one time. And a young boy came, just stood before me. And I saw something that looked like the poster of an election. And I looked at him and he came with conviction. And I opened it. And I wanted to run away. He was coming out for president of Nigeria. Having shouted and thought that all things were possible. I looked at this, my dear brother, and I didn't know how, how what, what angle do I become diplomatic? Do I go directly? I looked at this boy, and you will know, you will see the gaps in knowledge, the decades of learning this guy would need to. Yes, president. I don't know what party. I'm not sure there was a party yet. In all fairness, in all fairness, I'm not, if I'm joking, I'll tell you I'm joking. 
He stood at the line for prayer. Said he came to receive it. I, I told him, I said, look, um, my, my dear brother, let me tell you this. Um, God walks in seasons, number one, and life is in levels. The gentleman did not agree. You see that? And I told him, I said, do you know what it means to be the president of any nation? And then the president of Nigeria, he was absolutely convinced. Absolutely. It would have been better if he said maybe he had a dream or prophecy. He just came and just believed that he wants to change Nigeria. He's never been class rep. He's never been um, maybe... Uh, uh, not even counselor, leader of some whatever it is. You think God hates us that much as a nation? I know we've sinned against God as a nation, but oh, come on, please. There's still a remnant that... This gentleman was almost making trouble. I just said, kneel down. Just laid hands on him and said, please, just, just carry your trouble and go. I'm not ready... So imagine, do you know, with that kind of determination, there is nothing you would tell that guy. That's the kind of determination Satan has over your destiny. That as unwise as it looks, Satan still believes in his agenda. That's, what, that's the point I'm trying, to, I'm trying to pass across. You would think Satan should be so afraid because of your last testimony and not come again. Satan... You watch him. The Bible says he left Jesus for a season. You testified as a triumph of light over darkness. If I were Satan, I would give up. The way the miracle happened, he stopped the first child and you gave birth to twins and you think Satan will fold his arms. He will rest and come back again. This is the kind of adversary we have. If you do not know who Satan is, and his level of determination, you will take him for granted to your peril. I'm showing you the necessity for the warfare and the intercessory dimension of prayer. Satan will kill anything he finds to kill. You know, Satan does not have an agenda of himself. He studies what God wants and creates an agenda out of it. It's not like he has a preset. No, 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 no. He looks at your life. He does not have any personal bias towards you. He just wants to know what God is doing. And he hears that God wants to lift you. That in this year, God is taking Roger to another dimension. He says, fine. Now we have an assignment. His assignment is a subset of whatever God is saying. Anytime God is speaking, don't you ever think you are the only one hearing. Satan is a very intelligent listener. When he came to Adam, he said, what did God say? I don't tell me what, I just want to know what God said. Because my assignment is tied to what he said. Are we learning? So the moment he said, this charge I give unto you, my son Timothy, that you wore a good warfare with the prophecy. God had spoken to you, I'm lifting you this year. And I'm bringing honor and glory to your life. Don't just say amen and stop. You must engage. 
You go to the place of prayer and ward off all of those things. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Have a few more minutes. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Let me show you a very powerful scripture. It says, be sober. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, it says. Be vigilant. What does it mean to be vigilant? To be vigilant means to be sensitive, to not be careless, to be discerning. It says, because your adversary, not your boss, not the one fighting you, those are puppets. The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Jesus gave us power and authority over Satan. There are families who continue to watch the devil wreck them and shred them into pieces and they keep getting depressed. There are lives you think the devil wants you to continually be anointed in ever-increasing dimensions. He's seen the havoc that the anointing in your life has done so far to the kingdom of darkness. Will he grant you access to intelligence and systems and structures that can multiply the anointing? He will fight it tooth and nail. Satan knows what you did with the last 10 million God gave you. He knows how the house of God benefited. You think he will sit down and just allow doors to be open anyhow. You don't know Satan. He's every other thing but lazy and foolish. Two things you cannot credit to Satan. He's not lazy and he's not foolish. Apostle, why is it that other people who are not Christians, they don't even pray and they move forward? There is nothing that is pro-kingdom in their agenda. So Satan has no concern about fighting them. Satan attacks, but in truth, he has a protocol. Listen, many of you watch football. If you are playing, say, a semi-final or a finals, and you are supposed to weaken that team, your, your target will be the, the strongest of the, the key players, they call them. Is that true? If you can bring one or two out, I think you've done a good job as far as making a contribution to the defeat of that team. That's what Satan is doing. So, the fact that Satan is not letting you rest should tell you the role you play in God's agenda. Why is it that out of 10 people in your family, he seems to have isolated you? I tell you why. Because in his mind, you are equal to the strength of the 10 people. Rather than seeking to destroy the 10 people one by one, why is Satan focusing on your church? Why is Satan focusing on you as a man of God? You are worth to him in his thinking. You are worth to him more than 5,000 preachers. Fighting you is most profitable to him than fighting is a way of conserving energy. When he comes to you, it should be a consolation that you are really valuable in God's agenda. Is God speaking now? Satan, leave my family alone. That's not it. He's found out that there is something in that family you are not aware of that is pro-kingdom. Satan, why are you fighting my marriage? Why are you fighting my fruitfulness? Why are you fighting this? Satan does not fight anything for itself. He looks beyond that thing and sees what it will achieve. So Hannah, if Samuel is coming out of you, get ready to be barren. It's not about your womb. It's about Samuel. 
Who else will anoint Saul? Who else will anoint David? Elizabeth, if John is coming out of you, who will ordain Jesus? Who will save the world? You are on my list. Joseph, if your rising will bring preservation to God's people so that they become God's covenant people, the people from whom the Messiah will come, then get ready for trouble. Can I tell you this? This is an information I'm giving you as we prepare to pray. I can tell you this by revelation and I can tell you this from scripture. Satan attacks, but he does not attack anyhow. He attacks based on, on how much point that attack will score as far as his advancement is concerned. So he can isolate preachers. He can isolate businessmen. If you plan to be serious with God, listen to this message. If you don't plan to be serious with God, that's all right. But if you plan to be serious with God, I want you to know that not everybody is willing to be serious with God. The moment you declare to be serious with God, you have drawn the line with Satan. Will he come? Yes. Uninvited? Yes. He's called a thief. Are thieves invited? All you need to do is to be successful. Build a house. Your success and your results is the invitation. But we have a God in heaven. Now thanks be to God. Who causes us. How long? Always. Now thanks be to God. Preacher. Now thanks be to God. Businessman. Now thanks be to God. That in spite of the schemings of darkness. There is already a way of escape. Someone should rejoice. That there is a way of escape. A way of escape in prayer. I can engage by the power of prayer and subdue everything that looks like a manifestation of darkness. This morning, we are going to take five minutes to engage. I know that we have spoken about these four points, but I am concerned about the fourth because this is where many of us are in. And in the next five minutes, I like us to take some time to pray. Can I tell you, there are certain gates you need to bring down this morning. You need to tell yourself, enough is enough. The Bible says, I, Daniel, understood by books. He knew when his season had come to an end. When seasons come to an end, do not let Satan prolong it. Thus far have you come. He said, no further shall you go. It's time to release the gates of ministry. To release the gates. Can I tell you, creation is waiting for that command. If you know how to pray, you will triumph and prevail over situations and circumstances. I am a product of prayer. I know what prayer has done in my life. And I know what it continues to do. No matter how weak a man is, let that man pray. No matter how big the situation is, let that man pray. Luke 18 and verse 1. He spake a parable to this end. That men ought always to pray 
and not to faith. He said there was a king, a judge, an unjust judge, that that man did not fear God and he did not regard men. And there was a weak, helpless widow who came to him and said, avenge me my adversary and the bible says for a long time he would not hear her but for her importunity her persistence and staying power and jesus says that if this woman she had no system of physical defense but she knew how to pray the man said even though i do not fear god and I do not regard men. Yet this woman by her continual disturbance. She can weary me. If you can weary men. You can weary closed doors. You can weary closed seasons. And open them up. Are we learning? Please in the next five minutes. There's no prayer point. You are praying in the spirit. And you are engaging with understanding. And then if one or two prayer points come from it. I'll communicate it. But. I'm sure that if, 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 if I'm allowed, you can just walk around within your limited space. But I want you to pray seriously. The next five minutes you are praying. This is warfare and intercession. Lift your voice and begin to pray. You're praying. This is for your destiny. This is for your ministry. Is someone praying? Hold on to the horns of the altar and pray. It's time to shift climates and seasons. My life must experience a personal revival. It's time for that which is asleep to be awakened in me. Pray. You who is following in your home, following in your office, make sure you are connecting and praying right where you are. Go ahead and pray. The hindrances that have come as a result of controlling powers over my life and over my destiny, I challenge you by the God of heaven. In the name of Jesus. Now please listen. Hallelujah. When it has to do with prophetic prayer of warfare and intercession, there are rules of engagement. There are pre three principal ways from scripture that Satan affects and even inflicts believers. Never forget these three. Number one, and the highest platform for his invitation into the life of the believer is called the power of covenants. Number two is ignorance. 
Number three is disobedience. These are the only as complicated as Satan looks. If he ever finds access to any life and any destiny, it must be one or more of these three platforms. And the way you close those doors and you deal with it differ. Covenants. You, when Satan is having access to a believer, a church, a business, an individual based on covenants, you don't cast him away. It takes the ministry of the blood. You see that now. The blood has an assignment to nullify covenants on legal basis because the blood has a voice. So there are rules of engagement. You've heard me say it. As powerful as God is, he could not cast sin out of man. To say, man, I am God and I am creator. The earth is mine. I cast sin. I declare you righteous. Mm -mm. The blood had to precede that speaking. The Bible says, blotting out every handwriting and every ordinance that spoke against us, he nailed it to his cross. I think it was Isaiah 49 that says, shall the prey be taken? The captive of the mighty and the prey from the terrible. He said, thus said the Lord, even the lawful, there is a kind of captivity that is called lawful captivity. And the Bible is saying, even under that condition, there is still a provision in the economy of God where an individual can be free. Don't you think this is not an issue? There are many ignorant believers who do not know that covenants are a system of authorization. Listen, if I am a thief and I step into this assembly to pick this, if I hear any sound, what do I do? I run away because I am a thief. But let's say I meet, God forbid, but let's say I meet any of the ushers or somebody who is a worker in this church and he sells this for me and I pay him and I come to pick it. If I hear you coming, will I run away? Why? Because I paid for it. You are not going to tell me go away. You will have to bring a judge. There has to be a system of appeasal. That's what Jesus came to do. There are spirits that are not casted away. This kind you overcome them by the blood of the lamb. Believe me. This is, this is why many believers just pray all kinds of sincere and well-meaning prayer that does not produce power in the spirit. Because there are rules of engagement. I speak the blood. I plead the blood. Eternal saving blood. I don't have to cry For you have paid the price The blood There are many demons were minding their business And many parents and individuals went and invited them And said I need assistance And they said we don't just give assistance They said I know I'm desperate. Fine. And later on, you just wave them off. You see, let me tell you this. I'm not glorifying Satan. When the missionaries came to Nigeria, listen carefully, they brought the evangelical dimension of the gospel. 
but many of them did not have the spiritual intelligence to understand the modus operandi of the kingdom. They did not open us up to the dynamics of victory in its entirety. Many of them came and they did not even know why they died. They just came to villages and brought the gospel and died. Some went back and now they did their best. We must give them that honor. Except that personal and territorial revival. Let me challenge you. Go and study on the, the revival in Fiji Island. If you can go, I'm sure it should be on YouTube. You go and read about the documentary. They, they killed and massacred some missionaries who came to preach. And before one of the missionaries died, I think in anger or sadness, he made a pronouncement over the entire Fiji Island. They laughed it over, shrugged it over, and swept it under the carpet. Many years later, the fish refused to produce from the river. They would plant. There's a documentary. Crops refused to grow. And the people were suffering. And then it got to a point where some prayer warriors said, no, we can't be here. They began to pray. You see, when you don't know what to do, pray. It is in prayer that what to do comes. They began to pray and a prophetic word came that there were legal speakings over that place. Do you know these people prayed and some other people while they were praying said, don't mind these people, nothing will happen. To their shock, that land remained barren. Until a few people came with spiritual intelligence. Fortunately, they could access the grandchildren of those missionaries that were murdered. And when that happened, they invited them over. It was, it was a national ceremony where they apologized to them and they prayed and the people released blessings on the land. It was not more than 24 hours. Go and find the documentary. Fish from nowhere, different species that were missing just came out from the river. This earth is mysterious so, and there are rules of engagement. Can I tell you, covenants are powerful. Covenants are not emotional. No. It is the reason why anything God takes serious in your life, he creates a covenant around it. Marriage, your salvation, when God wants to take anything serious, he does not trust the vacillations of emotions. If God has not brought a covenant to that thing, you will not get his best. Everything that God takes serious, he connects to covenant. And then disobedience. Having the readiness to judge all disobedience if your own obedience is complete. And then ignorance. Ephesians 4.18. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Why am I giving you these keys? Because we are going to pray. There are some of us who in our prayer right now, you need to plead the blood. That I will never have a repetition of what happened to my father and what happened to my mother. I have been called out of every tribe and every tongue. And in the name of Jesus, the legal binding, the speakings, the ill speakings connected to my territory, connected to my bloodline. What then is the advantage of my encounter with the blood? You can, you can engage it just because you are born again does not automatically, you have to engage it with understanding. Are you ready to pray now? Please lift your voice in one minute and begin to pray. 
The blood is a basis for access. Plead the blood upon your life, your finances, your family. That everything that gives the devil legal access over my health, over my life, over my joy, over my peace, over my church, over my spiritual life. I stand by the blood of the eternal covenant and I decree and I declare that in the name of Jesus, the son of the living God, that blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel, that blood that advocates my release, that blood that advocates my freedom, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. The blood is against you. Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Failure, the Lord rebuke you. Setbacks, the Lord rebuke you. Someone pray. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Don't be tired of praying. The flesh may be weak, but the spirit is willing. It's been waiting for this chance so that a door be opened over you once and for all. Are you praying? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We are still praying. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 9. There are many of us there are doors that have been opened. The truth is when you go to God and say, open the door, he will tell you I've opened it. But another spirit has stood in the place of that door to close it and stop you from passing. A great door, an effectual is opened unto me. He said, but there are many. So adversaries don't just follow men, they follow doors. They stand at the corridors of doors. They know that anyone who enters this door is going to the next season. Can I tell you this? Look at me, please. Doors connect rooms to rooms. Doors midwife seasons. Between one season and another is a door. Between your kitchen and your living room is a door. So you doors are systems of transition. When that door is closed, you will remain in the same season for a long time. Someone is ready to break that door open. Are you ready to pray now? You are going to pray that every door, doors of ministry, doors of influence, doors of power, doors of higher levels of grace, you are going to engage by the power of the Spirit. Those doors must be open right now. Lift your voice and pray. Please pray like a priest. Someone is praying.
Doors be open in the name of Jesus. Every spirit assigned by the devil to stand at the corridors of one season connecting another in my life. I come against you. I engage by the blood of the Lamb. I engage by the power of the word in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and swing those doors open. Go ahead and swing those doors open. We are praying. Your life must carry a testimony of the goodness and the mercy and the grace of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. This next prayer point, please listen. If you are a man of God, if you are in business, if you are a leader, anything you are doing that demands influence, please pay attention to this next prayer point. Can I tell you this? One of the greatest areas of attack of Satan over believers is their influence. What is your influence? Your capacity to compel men to buy into your ideologies. The kingdom advances based on evangelism and influence. Not evangelism alone. Satan fights the influence of men. What does it mean to fight your influence? To fight your relevance? To fight your voice? So that your voice cannot speak. Are we together? Two scriptures. Are you tired? Be patient. Oh. We are going to pray this morning. Are we together? Hmm. Zechariah chapter 1. From verse 18. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that set themselves against me round about. I lay me down and I slept. Help that woman under the anointing. The power of God is coming on someone at the back. For the Lord sustained me. But thou, O oh Lord, had a shield for me, my glory, the lift. Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 18. God is opening someone's eyes right now. Hallelujah. Please, there are two people, just two people. I'm, I just saw light from here, from the stage. The power of God just coming on two people. And I'm seeing a circle just come to an end. Please help them. Two people. I just saw that light. I don't know where they are. Just, just help them right now. The power of God. That light. The Lord is saying that there is a season. By this prayer, as simple as it is, the Lord is bringing an end to that season. An end to that season. Zechariah 1 and verse 18, please. Goodness. Then lifted I up my eyes and saw, and I beheld four horns. How many? Nineteen. And he said, and the angel said unto me, What be these? And he answered, I said unto the angel, What be these? And he answered, These are the horns which have scattered my praise, my covenant, and my peace. Three things these horns fight. 
my praise, my covenant, and my peace. Verse 20. And the Lord showed me four carpenters. 21. Now he gives perspective to what I saw. Let's go to verse 21. I said, what come these to do? The horns now. And he said, these are the horns which have scattered Judah. Read with me. So that, verse 21, keep 21. So that no man did lift up. Will you see the horns physically? You will just know you are trying to rise. It's like there is a peg over your influence. Many years ago in Zaria, when I was in Zaria, the Lord, because it's a highly Islamic place, you know that, and you know the, all kinds of spirits and rituals happen daily. The Lord gave me an instruction, a prophetic instruction. Now, this is not a doctrine. This I'm just sharing my experience. From a, a very far, I don't know what distance I would, I would, you know, place here in Abuja, but the Lord asked me from that place to start walking and prophesying over the entire land. Let me tell you, I walked a distance that will be at least 45 minutes to an hour. Not exercise, so praying and commanding the forces, that northern horn that would not stop the purposes of God to rise, to bring it down. Can I tell you, those horns can go down if they meet the right voice that speaks to them. There are controlling powers in every region. You can be in a city and yet spiritually you are out of that city because the gates have not been opened. Believe me when I tell you this. You can have a business within a city and wonder why the doors are not open. The door to your influence. Why does Satan fight influence? I will tell you. Because he knows that when your voice truly becomes a voice, it will be easy for God to transform people in a moment through your voice. Is that true? You believe that Satan would have wanted this conference to hold? Look at the lives that have been changed because of one man's obedience through this conference. Satan is a determined fighter. That's why you can see you're a businessman, but you are fighting in the spirit like a preacher. Because you are the only one calling yourself a businessman. Satan is not calling you a businessman. You are as much a threat as an evangelist to him. He does not care what you do. The moment he finds out that there is potential to glorify Jesus, you are a threat. Acts chapter 12. Please be patient while praying. It takes stamina to pray. Acts chapter 12. Let's begin our reading from verse 1. Acts chapter 12. Now about that time, please look up. Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Verse 2 now. The Bible says he killed James. You see the killer again. That thief that comes to steal. He killed James the brother of John with the sword. Verse 3. The Bible says, and because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further. Look at this. Every time you allow darkness to continue, it proceeds further. I can tell you the first thing Satan does in your life is not all he intends to do. He will test you and watch your reaction. 
when you quietly, passively explain it away, he proceeds further. He started by bringing headache. He says it's just a slight headache. Now you are feeling a pain and you are hearing in your ears cancer. If you don't attach it, he will proceed further. Satan never gives his best shot. He will test and see. If you keep quiet and you do not attack, he will proceed further. Please keep that scripture. He proceeded further to take Peter also. So he started with your finances. You kept quiet. Now he's peeling over into your marriage because you have given him room. The Bible says they were the days of unleavened bread. Verse 3, verse 4 now. And the Bible says, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. Can you imagine this level of bondage? All to shut his voice. I hope, do you know why Satan was attacking these people? They were the three people who went with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. Satan was selecting them intelligently to kill them. They are the threefold cord that make the apostolic formation. Peter, James, and John. Now they had killed James. He caught Peter now. See what happened to John. Intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Verse 5. Hallelujah. Read with me. It says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without season of the church unto God for him. What happened? Verse 6. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night, that's how effective prayer can be. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and the keepers before the door of the prison. Watch what prayer does. Behold, an angel of the Lord in response to prayer, could it be that they neglected something to have killed James? Because the same angels that came here showed that they were readily available. Could it be that there was something they neglected? That James paid the price for. Now they were wiser and said, we will not let this happen again. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise up quickly. And the chains fell off from his hands. Follow with discernment now. And the Bible says, verse 8, the angel said unto him, guard thyself and bind on thy sandals. And he did so. And he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Verse 9. And he went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he was, he saw a vision. Verse 10. Now, this is where I want you to get the revelation of influence. When they were past the first and second gate, there were three gates that Peter needed to pass to go out back to the city. When Satan withdrew him from the city, he used three gates to lock him. The first gate opened. The second gate opened. Then the Bible says they came to the iron gate that leaded to where? There is a gate that leads to the city. The city is the place of visibility. It's the place of influence. And he said there is a gate that if it does not happen, open. The city will never know you are there. The iron gate that leads to the city the Bible says it opened of its own accord. Can I tell you, I know you are doing business. I know you are doing ministry. I know you are doing what you are doing. But has that third gate been opened? You may not be in the prison, 
but you may not also be in the city. The city is the place of visibility. It's where God makes news with you. The next prayer point is that we're going to smash that gate that opens to the city. The gate that controls visibility and influence. Hear me. There are many of us in this city who have products and services that should be patronized at an institutional level. And yet because of that, that gate does not seem to be open and the city cannot receive you. One time, I, I spoke with a gentleman, an architect, and sincerely, I stand before God to tell you, when I saw what this gentleman was, you know, what he was doing, I thought to myself, I said, this man should not even be in Nigeria. What level of intelligence? Have you applied anything? He said, yes. When gifted people suffer like they are not gifted, the iron gate has shut them. Because according to the law of value, your visibility should make room for you. It should bring you before great men. If the gate is open, Joseph, you may have the ability to interpret dreams and profess solution, but there is an iron gate that stops you. Midwife in Pharaoh, the palace, your place of honor, and where you are is that gate. Is someone ready to pray? In the name of Jesus, lift your voice and pray. And decree by the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says he has broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Someone pray. The iron gate over your ministry. The iron gate over your business, your family, your endeavor. That gate that fights your influence and your visibility. By the power that raised Christ from the dead. In the name of Jesus command that gates to be open not just for you let it be open so your children can pass he said who is this king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle lift up your heads O ye gate be ye lifted ancient doors pray Gates of influence, Ephata, be open. Gates of wealth, Ephata, be open. Gates of relevance for the kingdom and for the sake of his majesty, be open. Someone decree, someone decree, don't be silent. In the name of Jesus. Last prayer point. <laughs> Please look up. How do you know the gate has opened? Mark chapter 1. How do you know the gates of visibility has opened for you. Mark chapter 1. Please let me encourage you. Whoever did not come to church this morning, please give them this teaching. Buy it and go and give them. Buy the CDs and use it as a blessing and tell them, look, I know you will get blessed in another session, but something happened this morning that I want you to be part of. Mark chapter 1, let's start from verse 34. How do I know that the gates of influence and visibility has been opened unto me. 
and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Yes, please. And the Bible says, and in the morning, rising a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place there to pray. Now, 36 and 37 gives you the secret. This is the litmus test. You know that the gates have been opened. The Bible says, and Simon and they that were with him did what? Followed after. When you are walking alone, that gate is not yet open. When they begin to see that light rise from you. And the Bible says, 37, read 37. And when they had found him, what did they say? They said unto him, all men. Let me explain what all men means. All men does not just mean many men. <clears throat> the Bible did not say many men. Do you know what all men means? All men means all systems, all structures, all works of life. You can have poor men look for you based on the value you provide. You can have wealthy men look for you based on the value you provide. You can have your tribesmen look for you is that true? You can have children look for you. You can have elders look for you. You can have diplomats look for you. But when that gate is truly open, all men means professionals, the poor, the rich, the old, the young, governments, gatekeepers. This is how you know that the gate has been opened. Can I tell you this? There are many of us what you do would have found greater visibility if certain men had come to you. Are we together? Can we still add one more prayer? Are you tired? Now you know what it means when the gates are open. Look at the kind of people who have come to you seeking for you. It says even the king shall entreat your favor. All men. Your business, your life. Who has come to glean of the wisdom of the spirit from your life? All men, because there is a shofar in the realm of the spirit. When Gideon sounded that shofar, 30,000 people, don't ask where they came from. They came to hear the wisdom of God upon his life. Can I tell you, when this gate is open, the presidents of nations can come to you and say, listen, I have discerned that the counsel of God is upon you and I will pay whatever price it takes to hear God speak through you. Is someone ready to pray? I'd like you to declare and call for the nations, call for the classes of people that must be captured in your destiny in this season. To make for your advancement and to make for your revival. Lift your voice and pray. All men, all men seek for thee. All men, politicians, all men, gatekeepers, all men, spiritual people, all men, those in need for salvation, all men, those in need for transformation, all men, gifted people, all men, burden bearers, all men, divine connectors, all men, men of influence and captains of industry. Because this gate is now open, I command the ministry of all men, all men, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.
Let me give us one more prayer point. When it was time for Jesus to step into Jerusalem, the Bible says he was in need of a donkey. He did not have that donkey, but he needed the donkey. And he said, go to a place where the roads divide. He said, you will find a colt. It is there, but there is a condition. It is tied. The money that will make the prophecy God said about me not look like a lie is there, but it is The destiny helper who has been sent by God to hold my hands in this season so that I be not discouraged. The person is there. Can I tell you, when something is not there and when it is there and tied, is the same result you will get. And he said that cult was designed. I have never seen an adult cult that no man had ridden on. What was the owner doing with it then? That means a hand was keeping it specially. That cold became an adult cold and no man had ridden on it. He said, when you get there, don't just tell it to come. It wanted to come all the while, but it was time. He said, I desire to come to you again, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. And he said, when lose it, whilst you are losing it, chances are excellent that somebody will confront you. When they ask you, tell them the master, Barako Siata. We're about to call some things in our lives now. And if the devil says, why? Your answer is the master. We're in the season right now. Why should this new level of anointing come to my life? The master had need of it. Why should my child come in this season? The master had need of it. Why should I acquire my own property in this season? The master had need of it. Is someone ready to pray? Open your mouth and begin to lose everything that has been sent to you by prophecy. Lose that next season of your spiritual life. Lose that next season of your destiny lose the finances allocated for you and if they ask you why tell them it's because i'm in a season where the master had need of my efficiency the master has need of my spirituality the master has need of my resourcefulness the master has need of my influence the king has made a demand and i must respond therefore gates of poverty be shut the king has made a call upon my spiritual life. Therefore, gates of backsliding be shut. The king has made a demand on my efficiency in ministry. Therefore, gates of stagnation be shut. Someone is praying. And if they ask you, tell them the master had need of it. The master has need 
of my finances in this season the master has need of my prayer stamina in this season the master has need of the spirit of revelation that is upon me the master has need there is a triumphant entry that must happen through my life must happen through my destiny the master has need of the cold therefore lose that cold lose that cold the cold that no man had ridden on In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus listen before I speak over your life let me encourage you whatever it takes tonight please invite your family members whatever sacrifice it will take for what God is going to be doing over your destiny tonight already for some of you you have an assignment by God this morning's teaching, I'm emphasizing again. As you are standing here, the Holy Ghost is already speaking to you about the person who needs to hear this. Rather than discussing and trying to give counseling, just tell him this is it. Just sit down and listen your way out of this realm and out of this phase. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is needful. And this Mary has chosen to sit please whatever sacrifice you will make tonight I truly believe by the spirit tonight that with the word of God that will come I've not had the time sadly to pray for the sick and just minister because we have to respect time and I'm happy that we took some time to pray this morning but I want you to come tonight with your heart enlarged and opened one of the things I believe that God is going to do in our lives is to supply the oil and the grace for the next level. Look, let me tell you sincerely, 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 you can be anointed but limited. The same way you have money, but how much? In, the, in, in economic realms, in, in, in the realm of economy, it's not just that you have money, how much of it do you have? If you have one million, you will never be hungry, but you will never be comfortable too. Is that true? 10 million can buy a car, but it most likely may not be able to build a comfortable house. So don't just say, I have money. How much? You must have to the degree that it takes to build that which brings glory to the name of the Lord. There are many of us, this conference is a retreat. You have come, especially for those who are consistently giving, pouring into others. God is creating a platform right now, an oasis. And he said, you need to come and receive and be strengthened in your inner man. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now let me pray for you. I want you to pray over one request. I'm releasing my faith with you. What one thing are you trusting God for? That you know if this is done, it will be an accelerator to your Christian experience. Please pray. Let's release our faith. And ask the Lord to pray in prayer that he should step in. Talk to the Lord. Believe what you are saying. What one thing. Many things are important. 
but in order of priority there is always that one thing for some of you is healing you need the convenience in your health you're tired of this devourer that is eating up your body and eating up your finances rather than Satan attacking your finances he attacked your health because with it you will kill two birds with one stone for some of you it's your joy and your peace for some of you it's your spouse and your marriage and your children the peace that will allow you to serve God acceptably it's not been there for some of you it's the work of your hand you are praying and say Lord prosper bring increase it doesn't matter what it is pray here at Reha IC 2022, we're praying and declaring to the God who answers prayers. Go ahead and pray. Pray. One more minute. Pray while I sing out our song again. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, your name is to be hallowed. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, your name is to be hallowed. Hallelujah. Let me speak over your life. One of the principles of revival and reawakening is the power of the prophetic. When Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, let me not go ahead of myself. We'll leave that for tonight. But when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, Lazarus would have remained there forever. But he stood there and he said, roll the stone away. Prove that you believe he can come out. By revisiting the case and he rolled the stone away and he stood there and with the voice of prophecy he said finances your destiny your marriage your increase your new season wherever you were caged from the realm of the spirit I send a prophetic word he said, Lazarus, come forth. Hear what the Bible says. And he that was bound, he came forth. Two things happened to Lazarus. He, when he died, he was bound. It's one thing to die, but then you are bound. Even when Lazarus came out, that's why I said we have a session in the evening. Just because resurrection has happened, does not mean it has stopped. He said, now lose him and let him go. If I leave him like this, he's resurrected, but he's still as good as dead because something has tied his hands and feet. The feet for movement, the hand for productivity, all of them tied. He said, lose it and let it go. Let me speak over your life. In the name of Jesus, I stand upon the grace of the angel and the apostle over this commission and over this ministry and by the power of the Holy Spirit I pray for you the iron gates that has stood to stop your visibility and to stop your influence frustrating your Christian experience 
in the name of Jesus we command that gates to be scattered now let that gate be scattered now I pray for you by the power of the Holy Spirit the weariness you have experienced I'm seeing an angel pour oil on this woman help her I don't know who she is but I just saw oil coming upon her madam in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord is telling me that your life will never be the same I'm seeing the Lord is bringing healing for you your back I don't know what it is with your back but I'm seeing healing coming for you there and the Lord is saying I should tell you that there is oil that is coming upon you your life will shift to a new season in a way that will surprise you in the name of Jesus Christ I pray by the anointing of the Holy Ghost and in the name of Jesus who is the son of the living God for some of you between now and the evening session you will return in a hurry because of what God would have done in your life you will see the wonder working power of this God that we so boast about in the name of Jesus Christ hear me let me wrap up this way say to those that are fearful hearted do not be afraid the Lord your God is strong and with his mighty hand when you call on his name this is a word for someone that he will come and save you. That's his commitment to you. That he will come and save you. He will come and save you. Say to the weary ones, your God will surely come. He will come and save My God will come and save you. He will come and save. But here's your part now. Lift up your eyes to him. You will arise again. He will come and save. name of Jesus let this song be true over your life by the power of the Holy Spirit and I pray for you that the spirit of brokenness will ever remain with you that you will walk with the consciousness that outside of the mercy and the assistance of the Christ in your life you are very limited you are inadequate and that he will plant upon you the spirit of prayer and supplication by reason of this encounter this morning, your life will become that of one who loves to pray. Even the prayer that produces result. May you reap from your prayer life. In the name of Jesus I pray. Amen and God bless you. Can you celebrate grace?